straight out of Austin, Texas. It's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, Statesman Sports Columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode... <laughs> 321 brought to you by Hook'em.com and our good friends at Bud Light. Cedric Golden here with the Duck, Kirk Bowles, and Duck. The college football season came to an unfortunate end. Here in the Big Easy, Texas Longhorns lose 37-31 to the Washington Huskies. Never led in the game and you know still duck they almost stole it they almost stole it but almost doesn't count in big time athletic doesn't count at all what what did this remind you of man i don't know that it reminded me of anything but uh may i don't know uh it was the first, it was a it was a game of first. I don't know that they've trailed by double digits all season. If they did, it wasn't for no. long. Uh, yeah. I don't know that they that they were were wired to wired by anybody all season. They lost to Oklahoma, but we know they led in that game, so we know they weren't wired to wired by anyone. So uh, it it was disappointing. Uh, not not because they lost at the end, Doug, because. A lot of things had to fall into place for them to even have a chance to steal that game. And, you know, D- Dylan Johnson getting hurt stopped the clock with 50 seconds to go. They got a stop and they got the ball back. And the 41-yard pass to Jordan Whittington opened it up for what could have been a an amazing, legendary finish. Quinn Ewers, would, they would have put a statue of Quinn Ewers up at the stadium if he had thrown a touchdown pass in the last minute. But uh, between me and you and these four walls, they were very fortunate just to have a chance to steal it. It reminded me of Oklahoma, and and here's why: Texas didn't play well against Oklahoma. Texas had a chance to win at the end against Oklahoma. Texas had a lot of penalties in both those games. Uh, Quinn Ewers had some rough moments. Remember, he threw two interceptions early. Early, early, yeah. And then got got hot. They lost to another talented left-handed quarterback. You know, Dylan Gabriel then, Michael Penix last night. And, you know, and here's the other thing, too, said is that, I mean, they weren't the better team, but they didn't play like themselves. I thought it was their worst game of the year. They just never – Seemed to get in sync. They couldn't get the ball to their best players, Xavier Worthy and, and A.D. Mitchell. I mean, they had six catches for like 80 yards. They don't know. cut it. No, no, and two of those kind of came on two plays. You know, Worthy had a 38-yarder, Whittington had a 41-yarder. <laughs> and, and you're right, they were so fortunate because – you mentioned the clock stoppage with Dylan Johnson's injury. And then, remember, they had the personal foul on the punt return uh, where the guy just kind of grazed him on the left shoulder, so they got 15 free, yards. Free 15. Free. free 15. But, gosh, I, I did not think Sark called a good game. I thought it was his worst game. 
Uh, you've got to find a way to get the ball to your playmakers. You and I both know that. And there were no jet sweeps, no slant patterns, you know, very few crossing routes. No in rounds, no. No, it no was nothing. It, no. How, how about a Greg Davis hitch pass just to get, get oh, X's hands on the ball? He's one of those players that, you know, he might go away if you don't get him involved early. And a lot of receivers are that way, Doug. I mean, Amy Mitchell didn't get targeted till till late, and he ended up with a lot of targets, but he didn't get a lot of targets early in the game. And yeah, Quinn was just yeah. so off. Quinn was so off. Oh, and here's oh. one part. Here's one part that that we know Sark has told us. He loves to get his quarterback going early, and so he came out fired. And it was obvious throughout the first half that Washington could not tackle Texas in the run game. Those Texas running backs were mm-hmm. getting chunk yards, but but he kept trying mm-hmm. to get Quinn going. And sometimes you got to just throw a screen pass. Because remember he threw a screen pass late in the game to Jadon Blue. And, and remember I looked at you and I go, sometimes you just got to need to see the ball go through the basket. And I just thought he kept running these plays where Quinn was trying to make these throws, and Quinn was obviously not ready. He was not lathered up just yet. And I think Sark thought he could just no. turn that, that that engine on and Quinn would be humming. He was far from it. Two things, too. I think the month off really hurt Texas because they were just peaking. They're rolling. You know, They're rolling. After they slammed Oklahoma State. And I'll go on record as saying, you play this game last night, a week after the Big 12 title game, and Texas is going to win. Because they were on cruise control. And also that month off, Michael Penix was really beat up. And he got healthy. And looked so much better. And so uh, the other thing is that, you know, Quinn was out of sync. He wasn't on the same page with his receivers. He got, what, three or four balls tipped? Mm -hmm. And and here's my question, too. And I asked him at the press conference you and I were at, like, did you have a concussion when you hit your head? And he said, uh, no, I, I was examined and obviously cleared. But was he right? And did he have a concussion? You know, those things don't always show up. I don't know if you can kind of go into well, tension absolutely. Well, no. they don't have they don't have the independent no. medical person like the NFL. They don't have that. And Duck, we remember not so long ago when Sam Ellinger got crushed oh, yeah. in the Oklahoma game. Oklahoma game. And we knew he was concussed and he was back in there. And so yeah. I, I think I think college football probably needs to get get a a an objective yeah. non uh what's the word? You know, obje- just an objective person that's yeah. not affiliated independent. with independent, not affiliated with either school. Yeah medical person to do that yeah. kind of thing. And boy, because I because I, Quinn even said it when you ask him, yeah, I did hit my head. I did hit my yeah. head on on the on the on the surface. So who knows he didn't if he didn't right. allowed. No, he didn't. He, he didn't but look he didn't right look, the whole game. You know what? He didn't look right before he hit his head. He you're was, right. No, he, you're right. He was off. You're right. He was uh, I pose a question to you. You know, whether he would have had a concussion or not, or just shaken up and kind of off his game, would 
Sarkeesian have gone to Malik Murphy had Malik been with the team? No. You don't think so? No. He didn't go to he didn't go to a proven Hudson card when Quinn was going 19 to 45. Yeah, but so why this, go why go to Malik and Hudson Card was proven, Duck. Malik Murphy far from proven. I think he would have I think he was riding and dying with Quinn Ewers on Monday night. I don't think Quinn Ewers was coming out of the game if Malik Murphy was on that bench. Obviously he didn't believe Arch was ready. Uh, no, Arch wasn't Arch gonna play. Arch, Arch wasn't gonna play in a game of that magnitude, but I don't I don't think he would have gone to Malik, no. Well, the only reason why I ask it is that, you know, the stakes were so much higher than the Oklahoma State game where Quinn had like 31 incompletions, that sort of thing. I mean, you're, you're playing for a national championship uh, possibility last night, and they weren't in Stillwater and some of those other games last year. So I, I don't know if he'd gone with Malik. You're probably right. He probably wouldn't have. But Quinn's his guy. That's his guy. Yeah. It would have been right nice down. to have that option, you know. And he was there when, you know, they benched uh, Jalen Hurts and went with Tua second half. I was at that game where they beat Georgia in the second half, and that's where Tua kind of made his mark, made his name. It was off and running. Also, I just I couldn't understand some of those plays that last four tries in the red zone, and, you know, and that's kind of been their – one of their bugaboos all year, their red zone offense. And, you know, throwing that little swing pass to J. Don Blue, who had already made a that great kick. That, that was a wasted play and a waste of time. Wasted. And, and then he threw two balls out of the end zone that weren't catchable by anybody. So those were wasted downs. Never targeted X. Never targeted X. I don't know if you ever looked at X. I don't I didn't see the film of the whole – field to know where X was. I think he was in the slot. But the other thing on that play, and A.D. Mitchell is such a money player. He is so clutch. But he didn't jump on that, where Eli Jackson, the cornerback, uh, who's 6'1", A.D. 6'4", and he went up two feet and batched that ball away. But I wonder why A.D. didn't jump, because he's a great jumper and he's very physical. And he had boxed out Eli Jackson and if he'd have thrown a dart, maybe I think AD it's might not have a dart thrower. That's the problem. Yeah, but that's close. But that Quinn close. is not a dart thrower. He is a he's a he, he's got a big arm and he likes to loft. Well, that's and not loft, that not wasn't a make place it. for loft. That was not a place for loft. It, that was a that was like a back help. shoulder type situation to me. Well, Sark has always said he can make every throw. Well, if he can, he should have thrown a dart. Because A.D. Mitchell had Elijah Jackson boxed out, and he might have had a touchdown or drawn a pass interference, something like that. But that last series was just so bizarre. And this is after a great, spectacular catch by Jordan Whittington, who played his butt off. And, you know, he's such he was so symbolic of this team, how it stuck together and persevered through – a lot of injuries, bad seasons and stuff like that. You really, you know, we were talking to him after the game and you could tell how emotional he was and how much he was Just hurting. And great, stuff kid, like that. great kid, so, great kid, great kid, great kid. Great, great, um, he, he left it out there on the field and our lasting image of Jordan Whittington will be with him 
leaping up and yeah, that, taking that ball out of the sky and giving Texas a chance to get it to to get to the national championship game. And at the end of the day, if I told Sark that he had thirty seconds and four tries um, inside the twenty yard line, inside the thirty, wherever they were, he'd take it. He'd take that Every chance. Time. He take day. that chance. They just didn't. They just couldn't get there. And yeah, um, best team won. Or best team won. The they best did. team won that game. Washington yeah. was better than they outplayed Texas's front. They didn't. I the offensive line outplayed the D line, and I wouldn't have thought that they didn't really run it on. But but Texas has lived on that interior pressure created mm-hmm. by Sweat and Murphy. Uh, Baron Sorrell was MIA. Uh, young Anthony Hill had one pressure, and that was it. Ethan Burke had a couple of nice moments, Duck. Mm-hmm. He's he going to be good. He's going to be is. really good. He and Hill are going to be stars by the time yeah. they're done. But they outplayed him. That Joe Moore award goes to the best O-line. 11, they gave up 11 sacks this season and only, what, five the season before? Is that um, incredible? And that's why Penix is clean. And 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 uh, they allowed him to roll to his left the whole night. That was a PK yeah. failing. PK should have yeah. sent well, – Oregon sent him the other way. Washington State sent him the other way. He can make throws going to his right, but he doesn't make them as well yeah. as he does going to his left. And, I mean, Jalen Polk, McMillan, and Odunze, 300 – 300-plus yards receiving on, like, 16 catches, while Texas's best two players only had six. That's telling. You, you're not going to win that way. You really aren't. And, uh, yeah, I didn't then I didn't think Pete Witkowski or Sarkett had really good games at all. I really don't. And, you know, Texas secondary kind of been a liability all year, and Ryan Watts got exposed. They ate him up, up and you know, only oh yeah, Michael Penix made throws that we haven't seen guys make this year. Yeah. Dylan Gabriel was good. Michael Penix. There's not a better thrower of the football in college football. Yeah. Jaden Daniels, we both voted him the Heisman. He was the most electric player. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. had the yards rushing and the yards passing. But it, but but I know guys that play on Sunday that aren't as good as Michael Penix. And they start. Yeah. Bailey Zappi, really. I mean, Joe Flacco still can spin it. Michael Penix, man. Michael Penix. Daniel Jones? No. Those guys aren't as good as him. He is is an NFL-ready quarterback. He's ready. You You know where I wish he'd end up? No, Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. Why Seattle? Be, well, he's he's playing there now in Washington. That'd be really cool to see. And you yeah, know, Gino we'll never Smith get this. We'll never well. get to see him again. They they're never on television. Yeah, but that's a whole other story. But it'd be nice <laughs> if he stayed there. And you know, he reminded me of Warren Moon a little bit. Another Washington guy, because just very poised, unflappable. You know athletic, you know, God, he had such a strong arm. I mean, he hit those deep balls, you know, in short windows. And, and we just he, kept, you know, we, uh, Duck, we're in an open air press box. 
Right. And you kept hearing guys in our in our industry go, "Ooh, oh, he he just." I, I've never seen a, I haven't seen a guy like that throw a ball like that. Cole mm-hmm. McCoy was deadly accurate, but but his, he didn't have as big an arm as Penix. No, and Penix no, Penix didn't. dropping those dropping those bad boys into the bucket time and time again. Yeah. Uh, we knew Texas secondary was was the issue. Coming in, that was the biggest concern. Could Texas get to him was was a concern, but could they hold up on the back end? And they did not duck. They did not hold up. It was a wow performance, the likes of which we've hardly ever seen before. And how about those Husky receivers? Uh, and yeah. you, you give me any one of them on an NFL team, Roma Dunsey, Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk. I mean, I'll take them. You know, they were so confident. You know, that Polk play, remember the one? I think Muhammad tipped it and he yeah, had a friend. Just took it and God, they were electric and they were so good. I was just really impressed. Let's talk about going forward a little bit. Uh Quinn was asked by a New Orleans reporter, so and I don't think he had any idea of the NFL implications and just kinda asked him like you know, what are you looking forward to next year? You know, how are you going to improve? <clears throat> and, and a lot of us think, well, is he going to be here next year? But he kind of gave a little bit of answer, like, well, we're going to work hard and continue to build and so on. Maybe nothing. But he never, did, but he never said, if I'm back. He didn't no, he didn't. Back but don't you think he needs to come back? Not just should come back because the glut of quarterbacks are going to go high in the NFL draft. Don't you think he needs to come back? Because – you saw in Michael Penix a guy. He this was his forty fourth start. You know he's a six year grad transfer or not a graduate six year senior who transferred from Indiana. And Quinn's got twenty two starts and he's been hurt a lot. And maybe he looks at Penix and says that's where the level I need to get to. So do you think Quinn needs to come back? If I'm Quinn's dad, I go, you're playing another year of college football at least. You got to take a big step up if you want to make money at this job. I agree. You got potential. You, you're tough. You, you, you've shown when you're in shape that you can scramble around a little bit. He yeah. made some nice runs, Doug. Quinn he made did. some nice runs he in really that game. Did. Um, but he needs some more seasoning. And he's not, a, he's not an NFL-ready starter. He's no. not. He's not. I mean, we were talking about it at dinner later. You know, Sam Ellinger was quarterback in that game last night. I think Texas would have found a way. Yeah. Sammy, Sammy inside the ten um, yard line was a tank, and, oh, and yeah. he would have. They would have found a way to get in that end zone. But Quinn, but Sammy was more experienced than Quinn, and so mm-hmm. I believe that Quinn, with another year of seasoning. Uh, has a chance to be an NFL quarterback. And um, mm-hmm. just his second year as a starter, this is a big draft for quarterbacks. And Penix might be the first one taken. Caleb Williams is up there. Jaden Daniels is up Great. there. Drake mm-hmm. May is up there. Those are some really good, talented quarterbacks. Quinn could take mm-hmm. a, another one. He could take another another year uh, of seasoning. And, he did, and then I think Quinn has a chance. Because the the garbage that you see on some of these NFL rosters masquerading as quarterbacks, Quinn's got a great mm-hmm. chance. 
he's got to get better. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about timing and, you know, going out of college on a high like Vince Young did. And, and when wouldn't be going out on a high after that disappointing performance? You know, any you know, guy he that threw for 318 yards, but you got to think 70, 70 or so of those yards were on the last futile drive. Mm -hmm. So he fattened his stats up. Right. And this is not a Queen Ewers bashing party. The people listening to this watch the game and, they they saw what a big time quarterback was in yeah. Penix compared to a quarterback that that's still finding his way. Uh, six three hundred yard games this season uh, is not not nothing uh, the right home. I mean, he he played well in those games, and he's shown he's shown when he's right, he's as good as anybody. Uh, frankly, Duck, I think this was the first game where first big matinee game where where Quinn struggled. I expected him to light it up, and he didn't. Yeah, I did too. And Washington's defense was so much better than uh, we were led to believe. And but and like you said, you know, don't get us wrong. We got a lot of respect and admiration for Quinn Ewers. I mean, he's a warrior. He's a tough kid. You know, he really wants to win, and he really grew this year. And it'd be amazing how much more he can grow uh, next year. Now, you know, he's probably going to lose his four top receivers. You know, I wow. mean, A.D. Mitchell and, and Xavier Worthy didn't commit to it, but we all know they're almost definitely going to leave. And then, you know, Jordan Wade's senior, J.T. Sanders Jr., who, who probably leave too. So that could be a factor in his decision. But they've got some talented dudes coming in. And Jonte Cook, Neandre Moore are freshmen. They'll be sophomores next year. And Ryan Wingo comes in and uh, Matt Golden from Houston. So he'll have some targets. You know, you don't have and to maybe worry. Is Isaiah Nayar still a factor? No, I think he's in the portal where he's gone, I think. And Casey Kane's gone. gone. Yeah. You know Casey's gone. So, yeah, uh, those are decisions, Duck, that he's going to have to make. Um, yeah. Do you, do you want to come back and throw to guys that you're not used to throwing to? And then, yeah, the arch factor. Yeah, who knows? Made it 15 minutes without talking about him. The arch factor. Arch Manning is a rock star who hasn't had a concert yet. And, mm -hmm. well, yeah, and, and you want to deal with that. And this fan base loves him already. They love Quinn, but they have this yeah. real carnal love for Arch Manning. They want, I think they want, a lot of them mm -hmm. want to see what Arch Manning is about. I think a lot of them believe that, that it's Peyton and Eli uh, morphed into a, a, modern version of a quarterback, which might not be the case. We don't know that. Uh, we know he's got the DNA, but he's still mm -hmm. got to make plays. We don't know, though. Yeah, and I was looking at, at the, the roster. I counted up uh, for starters next year. They they lose 10 senior starters, two on offense and eight on defense. And then you got uh, four other players on offense and defense that are juniors that, you know, probably coming out, like a Byron Murphy, somebody like that is probably coming out. Do you see a potential SEC champion out of this Texas roster with the recruits coming in next year? I don't like I don't like pinning my hopes on young people who haven't played college football yet. Or I don't. Right. Um, if right. if those receivers, those pass catchers, that's including J.T. Sanders, if those pass catchers come back, mm -hmm. 
And we know those running backs oh, yeah. are going to be better. And we know Kelvin Banks is going to be back at left tackle. You mm-hmm. know, we we um then then I feel a lot better about it. But you're playing mm-hmm. Georgia and Michigan next season. I mean, and Aggie and Kyle Phil. So uh, you it you know it's going to be tough. And we know the twelve team playoffs coming. But the SEC is a behind duck, and and if you're asking me yeah. if Texas is going to be in the SEC championship game next season, no, no, yeah, because I expect a lot of I people agree. to leave. They're they're not going to be yeah. there, so I can see them going eight and four, nine and three. That's respectful, respectable. But but uh, another yeah. eleven and one, given given what they could be losing, no, I don't see that. See, Texas has no interest at all in being respectable. You know, the days of, yeah, eight and four, we're, no. This year, you know, helps stamp the future. And anything less than, you know, a 10 and two record, you know, maybe a nine and three, or it would be disappointment because that's part yeah, of the reason you, for the. Yeah. But you got to look at it like this. You're no longer in the Big 12. I wrote about that today you're not in the big 12 anymore you're no longer the big boy on the block oh yeah you're still a blue blood but now but now you now now steve sarkeesian who's who right now arguably is the best coach in the big 12 after what's happened now you're going up against kirby smart and nick saban those are the blue bloods brian kelly um has shown that he's up to the challenge in Baton Rouge. These things are what you have to take into consideration. I love what Sark did this year. Doug, I love what he did over the last two seasons. 20 Absolutely. and 7. 20 and 7 is good. Um, they've got belief. The culture's built. Um, but there's a lot bigger fish that are going to be to fry. And, they're, and these fish, some of them are sharks. And I didn't even mention you play OU every year, and so and they go talk. to Arkansas. <laughs> Going to so, Arkansas. Yeah, so so to say so to say ten and two, yeah. Given what they're going to be losing, I'm. I bet yeah. you don't pick them to go ten and two next season. I know you won't. There's no way. No, I know you, Duck. You're not. You were dead on with that eleven and one. You saw what they had back. You saw who they were playing. You looked at the games, you saw the ones they could win, and you nailed it. But but that ain't a ten and two schedule next season. They go eight and four, Doc. I agree with you. And the other thing with boy, eight and four sounds just horrible after this year. You know, it, because and it is. That's why this is their shot. It this is. This is their shot. Protect. This was their shot. They missed. Yeah, their shot. Yeah, they missed it. They missed it. And that's why Texas isn't back. You know, I hate to tell Longhorn fans that, but the ones that are serious and realistic about it can see that, okay, you're back if you have seasons like this for two or three, four years in a row. Not one year. And then, like you said, if they slink back to eight and four, that's a disappointment. I'm sorry. and But they might. They might. And so tough schedule, tough schedule. When they go, oh, is Texas back? I said, well, they didn't win anything huge. They won the Big 12, first time in 
14 years, but you got to sustain it over time. And it's just like TCU last year <clears throat> gets to the championship game, which is another step further than Texas got. And then they got obliterated by Georgia, you know? So, and then they, they barely, what they win six, seven games this year. So, you know, you got to sustain it and build it over time, which is why I have so much respect for Nick Saban. You know, he's just like, and it's so interesting to to speak to that a little bit, Said is that I'm watching all the shows and they're going, boy, Jim Harbaugh outcoached Nick Saban. It's like, uh, who'd have thought that? And it's so funny because it's so many people look at it as black and white. Okay. Sark had a great year. He had mm -hmm. fantastic. You and I both agree. But like Alabama's leading Michigan with three minutes to go. You know, so let's quit talking about they dominated them because they did. Yeah, no, that was either or. Either team could have won that. So for them to say, oh, yeah, Harbaugh just coached circles around it. No, that's not much heat. They produced when they had to, and you made plays in the clutch when you had to. But, you know, Nick Saban did a wonderful job this year, no question about it. So on the heels of that, who you like? We just saw Washington and one of the greatest performances by a quarterback we've ever seen. Michigan, physical, tough. Got that great Blake Corum at a running back, as you and I talked about last night. How do you see the game breaking down this uh, next Monday? All right, man. I'll watch, I'm a, I'll watch Michigan really get after Jalen Milrow. I want to get times, after six get after him. If the if the Washington offensive line can hold up, mm -hmm. then okay. Then I, I I like Washington in that game. But if they don't hold up, and I really expect Blake Corum may run wild because Washington because Michigan is a run oriented offense, and I think yeah. I think Blake may run wild and. Uh, but I'm not uh, like we were. We're on the bus ride back uh, to the hotel, and yet we talked about it. And I go, the best quarterback usually wins these games. And Michael Penix is better than JJ McCarthy. He is, and McCarthy right. was a tad bit better than Jalen Milrow, and Michael mm -hmm. Penix was way better than Quinn Ewers. So I think Penix is better mm -hmm. than McCarthy. I'm giving Washington, even though I love the Michigan defense, I'm giving Washington a slight edge because I think if they can protect him, that kid can throw it on anybody. Well, my thing is, you know, Michigan was my preseason number one team. And to me, they've kind of shown that they're the elite of the elite this year. Wash, um, Michigan's defense is a whole lot better than Texas' defense. We know that. Like you said, they sacked Melrose six times in the game, five times in the first half, you know, who wasn't used to that kind of pressure. So I think they will put so much more heat uh, on Michael Penix than Texas ever dreamed of. Uh, Blake Corum, as you and I said, he's their bell cow. He'll run it 25 times and probably wear that Washington defense down. And as you and I noted last night, Dylan Johnson for Washington, they're starting to tell back looked like a serious injury, so he may not be available next Monday. So for those three reasons, you know, I think Michigan's probably going to get it done, And but I hope it's just going to be an entertaining and uh, closely contested game. 
Yeah, and uh, to put a bow on uh, Texas uh, before we get out of here, and you know they, I, mm -hmm. I know we had to give you a little national championship flavor. The Ducks won't be at that game. Um, it was interesting to hear what what Sarkeesian said when when asked basically what next, and he gave a a really thoughtful answer. Mm -hmm. Here's what he said: This doesn't just happen, right? It took 12 months of hard work. Um, you know, we have to we have to make sure that that complacency doesn't set in. We got to be mindful of that, and then we go right back to the foundation of building the team. Like I said, in in those things that I discussed, whether it was winter conditioning, spring ball, summer workouts, training camp, culture Wednesdays, all the things that we do, um, make sure that we still handle our business in the classroom, make sure that we we still handle our business uh, in 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 our community. Um, because I think that that ultimately, you know, you have to rebuild the character each year of your team. And um, we have to be mindful that it doesn't just happen. You have to, it takes hard work. And um, I think that, that there's a lot of lessons to be learned that the value of that hard work that we put in is the reason that we're in this position. So we got to have to get right back to it again. Doug, the word complacency is a big word. I don't think they're in a position to be complacent after just one great season. They yeah, they need to be. get back. He's still hungry. He still has had that sound in his voice. He's he's back at work as we speak, trying to make this thing better. And I I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing if they continue this path. Doug, it's it's much easier to be mediocre than it is to be exceptional. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot to be exceptional. You need some breaks. You need some hard work. You need those recruits. Uh, you need a couple of guys that you didn't. You need a couple of your three-star guys to play like five stars because you develop them. I think they're going to be fine next year. But 12 and 2, man, those don't grow on trees. They just don't. Just ask Longhorn Nation. They haven't mm -hmm. won 12 games since 2009. They won 13 in 08 and 12 in 09. And mm -hmm. after that, they didn't have another double-digit winning regular season until this season. That's called a drought. And, and I agree with you. I thought it was interesting that uh, Sark made mention of the word complacency. You know, he, he wasn't asked that question directly, but the fact that he was cognizant enough to know, like, we can't rest on any laurels if we want to take this program to where it needs to go. <clears throat> the other thing is I, I just always worry about the NFL. I worry that they would ever come calling because Sark is that good. You know, he's proven himself. Has that NFL looked about? Texas. And I just I just worry about, you know, the Atlanta Falcons where he spent a couple years under Dan Quinn, and they ought to make a coaching change. And I always worry if they would knock on uh, – on Sark's door, but uh, that'd be a shame because he's finally given Texas some momentum, some credibility for the future, and some just out and out hope for Longhorn Nation that they can win a title uh, sometime in the near future. It was a hell of a season, and hell of a season. we we enjoyed this magical ride. It was so fun. It's been it so was. long since we've covered a team that was legitimately as good as it as its record suggested. And the Longhorns mm -hmm. delivered. They didn't win a national championship, Doug, but, boy, they provided a lot of inter entertainment, and the fan base should be extremely proud of the product that Steve Sarkeesian put on the field.
Well, Doug, you're going to be at the national championship game. We will be back next week for another On Second Thought. Thanks for joining us during this football season. For the Duck Kirk Bowls, I'm Sid Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.